Hey guys, welcome to Missing the Point with Miles David. Thank you for joining me in another episode, episode 10, which is kind of wild. I never put episode 10 miles podcast all of those words in the same sentence but here we are nonetheless but thanks for listening if you are new to the show or listening for the first time make sure you check out some previous episodes and subscribe follow or download wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss out on another episode drop if this is your first time listening to the podcast just so you know we talk about everything from tennis and all the happenings in the professional sport we keep you up to date with pop culture and entertainment and i may or may not share a couple of my life stories or lessons along the way so if you are new and that sounds up your alley make sure you are keeping up with the podcast on social media the podcast can be found on twitter instagram and facebook at missing point pod that's m-i-s-s-i-n-g-p-o-i-n-t P-O-D, which for whatever reason always sounds long when I say it out loud. Don't mind me. (laughs) Um, A couple of things I wanted to mention to you guys before I go into my first segment where I talk tennis. I definitely want to point out a couple things. So in the podcast description, wherever you click, you know, see details or you know, click for more information on the actual episode. There's usually a link that says support this podcast and it uh, links you to the podcast host that I use, which is Red Circle. And they basically distribute the podcast to all of your favorite podcasting apps or where you listen to podcasts like Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all that stuff. The hosting site does all of that. The more you know, (laughs) but in the podcast description, there is that link. And for the first time, I've never really checked it when I actually go in to look in kind of the behind the scenes thing of the podcast. I never actually check that link for donations to see if anybody sent them. But for whatever reason, I did this past week and I saw somebody sent a donation, which I was definitely not expecting. And I don't know who it is. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong on my side. So where I can't see if there's a link to like a name of the person that donated to the podcast or that's just the way it's set up. (laughs) I don't know, but either way, I do appreciate that. It means a lot. It definitely solidifies that I'm doing something in the vicinity of right, I guess. (laughs) And For whatever reason, I low-key forgot that it was in the podcast description, but I'm going to keep it in there. If you ever actually want to help support the podcast and donate to it so that it can go towards better content for the listeners, I'm always going to greatly appreciate that because it's something you definitely do not have to do. But if you do it anyway, I will greatly accept it and appreciate it and cherish it and all those lovely things. (laughs) Um, One more thing I wanted to mention, I have officially created a specific email for the podcast, which is also in the podcast description. It is missingpointpod at gmail.com. You can find it in the podcast description, and that is going to be the place for you to go. If you have any suggestions, inquiries, comments about the podcast, you can send them straight there. So that way I can look at some feedback for the show in one place. And you guys can tell me what you guys are liking, what you want to see, what you don't like and all that fun stuff. So make sure you check out the email address in the podcast description. And that is it on to talk tennis, where I talk about all the things that are happening in the sport. I hope y'all like that. I really was trying to incorporate something kind of cool as far as like tennis. Um, 
effects or sounds of tennis into the podcast. And I did some research. I hadn't done it ever. And that was my first time introducing it. So I hope you liked it. If you can tell me the two players from that clip, because that audio is from an actual match that took place. If you can tell me what two players are playing that point out in the clip, then I don't have anything to give you, but just know you have a special place in my heart. Because <laughs> like I said, that clip is from an actual tennis match that took place. And I'll give you a hint. It took place in 2002. It should be fairly obvious if you know me, but if you know the two players or just one of the players in that audio clip, let me know. <laughs> anyway, it is time to talk about tennis here on the podcast. And I feel like I haven't done a segment talking about tennis. Well, I know I haven't. I haven't done it in the past two episodes, but I'm back now. And then in general, in November, which we're in right now, tennis doesn't really grab all of my attention for whatever reason. Well, I'm, I know the reason. It's just that there's nothing leading up to a grand slam in a way. The the tennis season basically just takes uh it takes a step back in a way in November. Most players are gearing up for like the ATP or WTA finals, which is where the best eight players from that season compete for the final trophy of the year. And, you know, that's cool and all, but for the most part, there's no like lead up to something like there's a lead up to the French Open or a lead up of tournaments to the U.S. Open. There's nothing like that. So in general, November is not the best time to watch tennis from a fan's perspective, some might say. Um, and then when you throw COVID into it, it's just <laughs> not even it's not helping the situation because there's no fans. And that plays a part in the dynamics of what you see watching tele watching tennis from television or watching tennis on television. So that's a bummer. But needless to say, tennis has still been going on in the world. And the latest tournament to be completed on the men's side was the Rolex Paris Masters. The Rolex Paris Masters is an annual tennis tournament for ATP male players uh, held in Paris, France is played indoors in the neighborhood of Bercy, Paris, <laughs> and it is a Masters 1000 event, which is one rank below a Grand Slam and essentially one of the hardest tiers of tennis tournaments to win in the sport. Fun fact about the tournament, it actually is coming up on the 2020 edition was actually the 49th like edition of the tournament, which is crazy. It's been around for a long time and they really have some top tier winners. Novak Djokovic, who is actually the number one player in the world, has a great history of the tournament. He has won the most titles. He's gotten the most finals, the most consecutive titles, most consecutive finals, most matches played, most matches won. Um, he just completely owns that tournament, but unfortunately he did not play this go around, which I think is pretty smart. He has had not a bad year, but just an interesting year. I mean, not bad on the court. Like he's won the Australian Open, got to the finals of the French Open, but he got waxed in that final of the French Open, to put it lightly. So I think he um is just taking a break to try to focus for the ATP finals in a week are so in London. So that's why he didn't participate in the tournament. But him not participating in the tournament didn't make it any less of a top event at all. Rafael Nadal uh, was the number one seed and he actually went into that tournament having never won before. I, I know I mentioned that the tournament has a lot of great winners, but Rafael Nadal actually isn't on that list. So he really went into it trying to, you know, just add to his resume, but he came up a little bit short. 
He did make it to the semifinals of the tournament along with Alexander Zverev. Alexander Zverev got the best of him, unfortunately. And also in the semifinal was Daniel Medvedev, the eventual champion against Milos Raonic. Those were the four semifinalists with Daniel Medvedev defeating Alexander Zverev. He beat Alexander Zverev in a really interesting three-set match. 5-7-6-4-6-1 and claimed his first title of the year and also third Masters 1000 title of his career. A lot of commentators and stuff going into the tournament hadn't really had their eyes on Daniel Medvedev because he he's kind of coming off of a uh, not I wouldn't say a, a, a um, I guess you can call it a little bit of a slump. He didn't really perform well in the clay court tournaments or the French Open and that's really not that surface doesn't lend itself to the strengths of his game. And speaking of the strengths of Daniel Medvedev's game, <laughs> I tweeted this on Twitter earlier. He reminds me so much the way he plays. He reminds me of Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. Um, like the comic series turned movies <laughs> or turned into movies. He is just... He just seems like he would be as flexible as Mr. Fantastic. He just has a way of contorting his body into shots that is unorthodox but it works for him i mean i mean it works so well for him that he won this tournament and he's he's had a really good uh two years he got to the finals of the u.s open last year losing a tough one to rafael nadal and when i watch him play actually when i watch both medvedev and zverev play all i can really think about is how i envisioned tennis growing like maybe 10 years ago both of them are 6'6", Medvedev and Zverev, Medvedev from Russia, uh, Zverev from, where's Zverev from? Germany, sorry. <laughs> um, both of them, men, both of those men are six foot six. When you like see their physical stats on paper, you might like assume that they are basketball players or something like that. Even like looking at them, I'm sure if you like saw them in person, you might assume that they play basketball, but they are tall and lanky and cover the court like <laughs> gazelles in a way. Both of them do. I think Medvedev uses his legs a little bit better than Zverev, but especially in the final match that they played, Medvedev kind of wore him out or wore him down a little bit. And Zverev came into that tournament on a pretty good hot streak. He had won two smaller level tournaments in Cologne, Germany, before coming into this tournament in Paris and you know, that's that's not bad at all. He has been he's actually had a pretty good year himself, Zverev, um, on the court, I should say. Off the court, the past week has not been the greatest for him. He was involved or he is involved in some allegations regarding domestic violence against two of his former girlfriends, and one of them is actually pregnant with his child and doesn't really seek to from what she's from what you know, from what I've translated, obviously she's I'm keeping up with this via like Germany <laughs> and some things have to be translated. But from what I've read, she doesn't really intend or really want him to be in the life of the child. She's, you know, she's really not concerned about that. I think, she, which is kind of weird because if that was the case, maybe she wouldn't have said anything publicly. I don't know. But she did mention, she did mention that she's having a child by him. And he, of course, has gone on to claim that whole situation is true. The child part, not the domestic abuse, because there's two women accusing him of or saying things about him in the press at the same time, though his ex-girlfriend, um, 
Sharipova, not Sharipova. It's Sharipova. Forgive me. <laughs> I usually don't like to butcher names, but she's not a tennis player, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but the situation actually isn't isn't funny at all. She's claiming that he abused her on several different occasions. He's of course denying it. She is saying that you know he you know went into bouts of rage or whatnot and slammed her head against walls and stuff and it's just not looking good he released a statement on instagram you know not to say that it's typical but at this point in 2020 it's kind of a uh, the whole dynamic i feel like we've read the script before like famous guy gets a whole bunch of money and i'm not this is just not this is not just tennis. This is, ha this is happening in almost every realm of the world. But famous man gets a whole bunch of money, gets a whole bunch of success. And then we find out that he's not as great as he, you know, claims to be. And all of his success is not questioned because he's in a, he's either in a scandal doing something, you know, abusive to people in his past, specifically women or assaulting them sexually in some way. Like we have seen that story play out with a bunch of different people in media and sport. And it's just unfortunate. I don't think that it's right in any situation for a woman to have to go through that by any man. If the man is famous or not, like it's just not okay. I hope that that situation can, you know, resolve in some sort of way um in both of those situations actually i don't really see him as a father i think he's only 23 yeah he's only 23 he doesn't really come across not that there's such a thing as like father material but he just comes off a little bit like a <laughs> privileged always has been tennis player um he is athletic and i can't take away anything from his accomplishments on the court but it didn't come as a true surprise to me that he may have been in a domestic a domestic abuse situation being the aggressor. It just is not shocking, disappointing, but not necessarily shocking, I guess you could say. Not to rag on him, um, but, you know, in a certain way, you know, it, it is accusation not to belittle the woman coming forward, but it is accusation. Nothing has been necessarily firmed and concrete taken to court um and he's denying it but we should see how that plays out he is playing pretty decent tennis on the court he just came up a little bit short in the tournament against medvedev but yeah that's what i was saying i think that this like their matchup made me think about the new wave of tennis like these guys are six five six six covering the court like like never before because if you think about it like 10 to 15 years ago, guys that were 6'6", their tennis games mostly re revolved around their serve. They were hitting serves accurately and then powerfully, like upwards of 130 miles, 140 miles per hour. And that was what their game was revolved around, pretty much. And then now we got those same guys. I mean, we got different guys at those same heights. And they are moving around the court, getting to balls, having 30 point rallies i mean upwards of 30 point rallies and shrinking the court but then consistently hitting the shit out of the ball it's just it was like don't get me wrong medvedev and zverev are not like my favorite players to watch they don't get me excited about the sport of tennis as compared to other players i watch but watching it just made me realize how 
how interesting the sport has become over the past 10 to 15 years. A lot of that has to do with like technology of the strings and the rackets they play with. But a lot of the guys are developing way more to their games that are than they did 10 to 15 years ago. It's not all about just, you know, being tall and having that one serve as a weapon. These guys are gliding around the court, hitting forehands, backhands, and doing it consistently for (laughs) two to three hours out there. And, you know, they're making the best of it. I mean, this tournament wasn't, um, this tournament isn't my favorite tournament and it didn't do, it didn't have any favors by not having fans, but that's not necessarily their fault. The whole world is kind of, on thin ice um, when it comes to large sporting events and theirs was no different. They couldn't have hosted the event. They did not host the event with any fans um, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. There was one other player I forgot to mention, Milos Raonic. He was a semifinalist in this event. He is from Canada. I mean, when I think about Milos Raonic, they said something interesting that just blew my mind a little bit when I was listening to the, to the commentators talk about his matchup with, um, Medvedev in the semifinals he's almost 30 like he's gonna be 30 this year and that's so crazy to me I remember the first time I watched or the, the first memory I have of a Milos Raonic match was his match against Kay Nishikori at the 2014 U.S. Open for whatever reason I just remember that match it was a night match in New York on Arthur Ashe Stadium I mean it was I think it was five sets and I was just really entertained and intrigued by his his game and I also forget that he has been as highly ranked as number three in the world. That's crazy because people don't really, in general, I'm generalizing here, but people don't really mention him as like one of the top athletes in the sport or like one of the top performers. And, you know, in all fairness, he's had dips and valleys in his, in the timeline or or the resume of his career, which most tennis players do. But I think he is trying to squeeze out all he possibly can out of his, out of his tennis, especially when he kind of looks at the landscape and sees that the players that have been dominating for the past 10 to 15 years are only getting older, are they still accomplishing good things? Yes, but they are getting older. So I think he's trying to put himself in a position to where if uh, a draw of a big tournament kind of opens up, he's at least there for the taking and not, you know, losing the players that are ranked beneath him and just doing the things he needs to do to get the most out of his tennis career and kind of make another push. As long as he's healthy, he is a factor in any tennis tournament because he has a huge serve. He doesn't move quite as well as like Medvedev, Zverev, you know, obviously Nadal, Djokovic. He doesn't move quite as well as those players, but he does have huge weapons. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just don't mind Milos Raonic playing. I saw him, I saw Milos Raonic play in person at the 2019 Indian Wells tournament last year. And he played against an American. At that time, he was little known. Um, His name is Marcos Giron. He was actually in the top 100 now. Shout out to him. I like Marcos Giron. But um, Milos, he's kind of unassuming in a way. He just goes out there and plays big boy tennis and that's it. Like he don't really, he don't really make too much, much of a fuss about it. He kind of goes on there and does his, does his job and, and gets off the court. Um, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him to kind of make a push. Um, but you know, but back to tennis in general, this is the last major tournament before the ATP finals in London. ATP finals in London takes place from the 15th of November to the 22nd of November. And the field is actually set. They've already announced the, top eight players that qualified for the tournament and 
the field includes uh, Novak Djokovic, who's a five-time champion of that tournament. Rafael Nadal, who actually has not won that tournament either. Nadal doesn't necessarily shine the brightest in the later part of the tennis season or in indoor tennis tournaments. That's just not where he thrives the most. But, you know, still (laughs) an icon of the sport, still an amazing athlete. And I think he might do it this year. I'm not putting any, you know, I'm not putting any money on it, but he is coming into the tournament a lot more rested and fit than he has in the past couple of years. So, you know, we might see a little something for Rafa. <laughs> also in the tournament, we have Dominic team, the 2020 U S open champion. We have Daniel Medvedev who won the Rolex Paris masters. Obviously we have Stefano Tsitsipas from Greece, who is the 2019 champion, the defending champion. We have Alexander Zverev, who is the 2018 champion. We also have another red-hot player that I don't think I've mentioned, Andre Rublev. He has won some, I wouldn't say huge titles. Um, he did not Grand Slams, they're not Masters levels, but he's won. He won some, you know, fairly big tournaments this year and has made some good results at other big tournaments. And I think he comes in with a lot of confidence. And this is actually going to be his tournament debut at the ATP finals. And then lastly, we have Diego Schwartzman. I've said on the podcast before, I love Diego Schwartzman. He's like all of five to, I'm, I'm, he's not that short, but I just like watching him play. He's like the little engine that, that could and can, and he's just fun to watch in my opinion. Um, and that is the ATP finals. Like I said earlier, <laughs> I'll be keeping an eye on it, but tennis in November just does not, it doesn't get the people going the same way other parts of the season get the people going, at least at least me. <laughs> but, you know, I'm doing my I'm doing my due diligence and making you guys aware of all the things that are going on in the season. And speaking of the rest of the year, the women on the women's side, there is only one tournament left for the season. It is in Linz, Austria. The tournament um, actually gets underway Monday. That tournament in Austria is on the lower end of things. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not a top tier tournament. It's considered an international level tournament. One day I'll break down like the bare basics of tennis so that people that have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about at this point can like put two and two together. Cause I know there are people that listen and like tennis and people that listen to support me that have no idea about tennis. So one day I promise I'm going to merge those two. I promise. But anyway, Linz is in Austria. It's a women's only tournament. It actually has some really, really um, good past champions. The 2019 champion of last year actually is Coco Golf. Coco Golf actually is not chosen to participate in this year's tournament. I think she just wants to find some sure footing for the 2021 season. Um, she needs to work on her serve and just get things together. Not to, not to like, you know, I don't want to say that in like a negative realm when it comes to Coco golf, but I mean, she is 16 and has literally the world at her feet, but um, I'm not mad that she's not playing. I think she could use the rest, but like I was saying, the past champions of this tournament include Venus Williams. We, we you know, we stand Venus Williams over here, Lindsay Davenport, Justine Inna, Maria Sharapova and Ani Ivanovic, just to name a few. And all of those players have gotten to number one in the world and at least won a grand slam or two. So Coco Golf is in good company, <laughs> in my opinion. 
The number one seed for the tournament actually is Arena Sabalenka. I didn't report on this earlier, um, but Sabalenka actually comes into this tournament off the heels of winning her last tournament that she played in in Ostrava, which was a tournament that they basically made <laughs> on a, not to say on a whim, it actually went off pretty well, but they organized that tournament specifically for this year. It has never been a tournament on the WTA calendar for the women to play. And Sabalenka won that tournament. She is definitely a hot or cold type player. So if she won this tournament, I, necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. Or if she lost first round, I wouldn't be surprised. She opens up her tournament against Jasmine Paolini from Italy in the first round. The second seed for the tournament is Elise Mertens. I mentioned Elise Mertens before. She, again, is like a workaholic. She will play every week if she's healthy, which, you know, she has, you know, proven to be a player that can stay healthy, knock on wood for a long period of time, and will play week in, week out, and doesn't really lose to players ranked below her. It takes a pretty decent effort to knock her out because she doesn't do anything badly. The number three seed is Diana Yastrzemska from Ukraine, who is the queen of medical timeouts. Every time she gets a hangnail, she calls for the trainer and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> she's a good player. She just needs to get that in check because she's gaining a reputation as being like a player that cries wolf a lot and she's young. So she needs to stop doing that to herself and the fourth seed i'm just rattling off seeds at this point the fourth seed is ekaterina alexandrova from russia the fifth seed is veronica kudermertota from russia sixth seed special eye out for her is nadia podoroska who made the semifinals at roland garros at the french open um a couple weeks ago out of nowhere so kudos to her for getting seated in this tournament let's see how she backs up a really 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 good tournament and you know see if she can get some momentum going into next season and rounding out the seeds we have jill teichman the left-hander from switzerland at number seven seed and another left-hander from america bernarda para coming in at number eight so you know it's actually not that i'm looking I'm, i literally have the draw pulled up like i'm looking at it as i talk to you guys and it actually is a pretty decent field not marquee names that are like you know you can stay around your house and get people's attention or grab people's attention. But if you're a tennis fan, you can look at this draw and I mean, I might go to a couple of these matches, you know, if I was, you know, if I wasn't doing nothing. <laughs> I might show up and be like, oh, what you got going on? <laughs> but yeah, that is the uh, Austria ladies lens tournament taking place this week. I'll keep you guys updated uh, and let you know who comes away with the trophy in that one that should be pretty interesting and like i said that is the last tournament of the year for the women there isn't a wta finals because the wta finals for the past couple of seasons has housed themselves in the asia pacific part of the world and last year was the first year they housed the tournament in shenzhen china and given the climate of the world with the covid 19 pandemic they just couldn't successfully host that tournament nor could they find somewhere else to host it kind of given you know the unsure footing the world is on right now so who can really blame them so the, the women are kind of going out a little mildly compared to other years, but no one's judging them. It's 2020. Things, crazier things have happened. But yeah, that's it for my tennis talk this week. Not too much exciting stuff going on in tennis. Like I said, November is a little bit dry. Not Sahara dry, but dry enough for me to 
sleep through some matches, I guess you could say. <laughs> That's pretty much it for tennis talk this week. Let's keep it moving and talk about some hot topics in pop culture and maybe politics because y'all know about that election. Y'all voted. I told y'all to go vote. So we got to talk about it now. <laughs> Before I give Donald Trump the lashing, the verbal lashing that I truly intrinsically think that he is deserving of, actually past deserving of, can we get into how Beyonce has chewed us up amidst of a global pandemic? I mean, consistently, repetitively, by large amounts, chewed our asses up. <laughs> when I say chewed up, I'm referring to the Ivy Park collection she dropped not long ago in late October, and this continual droppage of artwork and photos from her exclusive interview and cover to British Vogue dropping in December. She will be on the December issue of British Vogue, and she has been releasing Instagram photos literally sidebar. She's been releasing Instagram photos, and I don't think Instagram really truly wants us to see because they know how much she chews that shit up so for whatever reason it don't be really sending me the post notifications that i specifically ask instagram to send me i don't know if beyonce has the kind of power over instagram like that but every time i get on my instagram somebody has posted a picture of her that looks absolutely flawless how come i didn't see it on my actual my actual feed I feel away. Anyway, <laughs> so Beyonce dropped the second Adidas Ivy Park collection, which is inspired by inner beauty, strength, resilience, and energy of artists who have found their park. This collection celebrates remaining positive and always finding joy, which actually goes really hand in hand with a lot of the things she said in her exclusive interview with British Vogue, but specifically the Ivy Park collection of clothes that she dropped. Y'all ate that up. Like, she ate up the looks in the videos and pictures she released because she looks... <sighs> the likelihood of Beyonce never having gone under the knife for some kind of body enhancement surgery is very slim to none, knowing the kind of resources and access she has as Beyonce. But with that being said, I don't know how she manages to have that kind of access and still look natural as hell. Like, I mean, she looks like she could perform at Coachella, which she's done, and then also turn around and fix me a really, really, really good plate of fried fish and mac and cheese. The thickness that she's able to accomplish without looking fake and still like succulent, like a actual breathing human woman, not like that Kim Kardashian shit y'all be liking sometimes. She just looks like an actual woman that is beautiful and stunning and top tier, but also relatable. Like I can go walk down the street with her in my matching Adidas tracksuit. You know, like I don't understand how she's able to do that amidst the global pandemic. Like literally chew us up. And she'd been doing it for a long time. So long, in fact, in her issue of British Vogue, she says, I've spent a lot of time focusing on building my legacy and representing my culture the best way I know how. Now, I've decided to give myself permission to focus on my joy. 
a lot of people on Twitter took that small quote of her interview in British Vogue and tried to make insinuations that Beyonce is retiring soon or, you know, she's given up the business, which I think is a little bit of a leap to make just because she has literally been 12 feet deep into this music industry and just entertainment industry since before she was able to like legally drive. <laughs> like she's been doing this for a long, long time and she has an entire family. So I can't really blame her for looking at things, especially the way 2020 has made us look at things. I can't blame her for looking at the world and wanting to spend more time with the core people in her life, her family, her husband, and just focusing on the fruits of her labor because you know like she's done everything but at the same time she's still Beyonce and I don't think that she has necessarily reached a point where she actually wants to do a mic drop yes she's released great albums yes she's toured all over the world yes she has you know yes she's made me scream and lose my voice at concerts yes she's made my mouth drop in pretty much every single capacity that there is to allow somebody's mouth to drop <laughs> from a musical performance from anything she just has that kind of talent in her i don't think a person with that kind of talent and the amount of drive that she clearly has is just going to stop may she may she take a year off or something like that yes but you can't chew us up in british vogue and be like yeah i'm good on y'all for a little bit although she may want to you know get back to some more quote-unquote normal roots I think that she's given a gift for a reason she can sing she can do she can entertain like no other and I think after you know <laughs> after we're able to find our way through this quote-unquote new normal we're all living with I think we're going to be treated to another great Beyonce era hell we're getting one now with these damn pictures in that Ivy Park that y'all bought in 2.5 seconds from Adidas's website so I'm, as a person that has loved Beyonce pretty much all of my existence of life, I'm good. I'm, I'm not like really yearning for new music from her because she's given us stuff to literally last <laughs> another 10 years. So all the people that are like worried about her retiring, if she does that, great. If she doesn't, that's wonderful for us too. But she has the bandwidth and power and access to do whatever. She has all of that to do whatever she wants to do with her life. So if she wants to go in seclusion for a little bit, I think we should respect that privacy because she's given us she's given us so much to indulge in while she does whatever the hell she is, whatever the hell it is that she wants to do. So kudos to Beyonce. I see a lot of y'all have been um, posting y'all Ivy Park. It looks great. I really love the pigment and hue of those green of that green kit it looks really really good actually all the colors look good but that green and then i think one of them is like yellow like a pastel yellow those that those are two of my fave i forgot what it's called let me look it up that canary collection and that forest green collection in um the ivy park drop that's some nice shit so kudos to beyonce moving on i definitely wanted to touch on y'all doing the absolute most to Kiki Palmer kissing that white man. Now, granted, <laughs> the climate of the room that we're in as black people, and I'm specifically speaking to black people at this current moment, I can see how you would be like, I can see your knee jerk reaction and be like, what the fuck is she doing? I can see it. I get the first knee jerk reaction, but y'all need to stop and allow her 
to kiss whoever she gonna kiss as a grown woman um we've seen her mature literally in the public eye she's literally been doing stuff since Akila and the bee so we're gonna let her get her little buzz buzz on and if she wants to kiss a white man y'all y'all gonna allow her if you have no idea what i'm talking about then here i am to inform you <laughs> So about a week ago, Kiki Palmer uploaded a video of her kissing and or making out with this mystery guy that nobody really knew she was actually dating or dating heavily enough to make out with for millions of people to see on her Twitter account. But she, in fact, did do that. And the the guy's name turns out to be Stein or Sten or something like that. And he is in the music industry, a part of a group called May 7, along with his brother Winter, allegedly. Well, I mean, I don't think that part is allegedly, but they're, they're alleging, the blogs and stuff are alleging that they have actually been dating for a little minute on the low. And, you know, I can't be mad at that. I personally don't feel like this is a moment for people to be like, pointing the finger and judging her for wanting to entertain a white man, especially since there's been wide knowledge of her dating within her race. So I don't think it's a major problem with somebody that has a history of dating within their race, chooses to try something different and see if they like it or not. I don't think interracial dating should be as much of a knee jerk reaction as it was on the internet when she posted that, she went on to post on her Twitter, rare footage of me in the process of becoming randomly suspicious of someone I trust because I struggle with distinguishing reality from my crippling anxiety and emotional trauma, which <laughs> is a mouthful and I don't really see how it correlates to a video of you making out with your boyfriend that we didn't know that you had. So that part of the, is a little bit weird for me, but then, Kiki Palmer is a millennial just like me, or she may be a little bit older, but I'm pretty sure Kiki Palmer is not even 35. She should be out here dating single and, you know, seeing what's in the ocean safely. <laughs> I don't think it was a moment for people to like try to drag her through the mud and say that she was doing something appropriately. Granted, I do understand <laughs> reading the room. Uh, race relations are a hot topic right now, but I think would hope that we have come far enough as a society to allow people to make out with other people. Y'all didn't kiss the white man. Y'all can't tell me y'all haven't. I mean, and as far as white men go, <laughs> she, it's not like she was kissing Steve, Ur not Steve Urkel. It's not like she was kissing, uh, what's his name from Saved by the Bell? Whatever that white boy's name was that Lisa Turtle didn't like. It's not, I mean, it, it wasn't like he looked like a scrub. As far as I'm concerned, she needs to keep uh trying to find her a man that's low-key and we gotta dig about to see what's up on what's up with him i mean if she wants to step out of the limelight and make sure that her, her love life stays out of that limelight as well then keep going for the guys that we really gotta search and find out who they are because we did not know who that was until you kissed him and then posted it which you know <laughs> when i'm sitting here like listening to myself talk about that i wonder why she did that and then got a little salty about the backlash because not only did you record it you recorded it and posted it and gave us this really deep caption that had nothing to do with a simple kiss so like i'm not i'm not mad at her but it also prompt some question marks but then at the same time <laughs> when i think about the totality of kiki palmer she's just always been on her own lane and dance to the beat of her own drum. So, you know, 
again, kudos to her. She can get it how she lived. I'm not mad at her. Y'all were wrong for going off in her mentions like that, calling her all types of mayonnaise lovers and all types of stuff. Y'all were just wrong for that. <laughs> it was funny, but y'all were wrong for that. And I don't see anything wrong with Kiki Palmer getting her a little smooch smooch from a white guy who she could do a lot worse. That's all I could say. Because... That that boy wasn't ugly. Let's let's you know, let's keep it a buck. But you know who is? You know who is absolutely horrid to look at? Donald fucking Trump. Let's talk about it. I just, I'm talking about it, and as I stand here now, I'm conflicted. Not about disliking Donald Trump. I'm just conflicted about the state of the world. <laughs> because I have just so many different feelings about what transpired. So I voted, the world voted, we basically all held our breath to see who was going to be president-elect, was it going to be Joe Biden and Kamala Harris or Donald Trump and whoever the fuck he has on his ticket because I, I personally don't give a fuck. It could have been fucking Winnie the Pooh <laughs> versus Donald Trump and at this juncture in my life, I would have gladly voted for Winnie the Pooh, but I'm glad it wasn't. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't and I'm glad that we now have representation in the White House in a female as vice president of the United States or vice president elect of the United States and a black female I think that is amazing I, I really can't put that into words that in my lifetime I've seen a black man be president of the United States and I will now see a black woman be vice president of the United States I think that's huge I cannot believe the huge numbers of which Donald Trump still got votes for. Your peers? First of all, let me just say, this is not a safe space if you are a Donald Trump supporter, fan, anything in the lane of Donald Trump. If you own a MAGA hat, this is not a safe space for you. I promise you, you probably never want to listen to anything I have to say just because as a black man, I can't stand for it. That man has been the most vile, racist, misogynistic person I've actually ever heard in my existence of life. Honestly, like I just cannot think of anybody I would be more inclined to push if I saw them hanging by a thread off of a bridge, not saying I'm, I would actually push him, but I would just be inclined to. And normally I wouldn't do that to a normal human because, you know, nobody wants to be falling off of a bridge. But if Donald Trump was the last person on earth and it was just me and him and he was hanging off of a cliff. <laughs> I cannot say that he would make it through that situation because why would I, I, I just cannot understand I can't understand how anybody in their right mind would think that that man is capable of one leading a nation being in the most powerful seat in the world, which he has been for the past four years. And if you just look at the fucking calendar, it has been the shittiest presidency in the goddamn history of presidency. And I don't understand how you don't see that yet. That man still had 70 million fucking votes. You know who's real quiet right now? I'm sure y'all co-workers who secretly voted for Trump are fucking quiet today. If you're listening to this in your office, I bet, I bet you they fucking quiet. If they not, then they real bold, but they need to be fucking quiet because they need to be, they need to be as fucking quiet as possible. In the words of my mom, you should be able to hear a rat piss on cotton.
that's how quiet they should be in your fucking cubicles. He didn't win. The election was not rigged. He lost the popular vote and the electoral vote by a lot. And his stupid ass was on Twitter talking about he won the election before the shit was even accurately calculated. An imbecile. I just do not understand how we got here. And then what's even more frustrating, like, you know, I'm like, I'm happy. I'm happy that for all intents and purposes, we can work on fixing the things that were completely wrong with Donald Trump's presidency in the past four years. But what he did do, which I'm a little scared of, he basically woke up everything that was wrong in America or put a mirror to it and just blew it up because racism never died in America. He basically just put a fucking flame on it and wanted to wanted to watch that shit burn. Also, he could have some kind of power. He was <laughs> he was so strategic in riling up every single person who had a problem with the last administration in Obama. And every single person who had an issue with any type of minority, not just black people, he had, a, he had an issue with gay people, disabled people, Middle Eastern people, brown people, black people, any anybody that was basically not white and privileged and made money all of their life. I just, ugh, ugh. talking about him makes me want to punch people. And that's never a good space to be in. Not like punch anybody, but talking about Donald Trump makes me want to punch white people when I see them walk across the street. Because the amount of votes that that man got in this election, just 2016 aside, people were still voting for him. Even in, even, I just can't even wrap my mind around it. Even with him completely neglecting a global pandemic that he knew about and defied science and called it a Chinese virus, ended up getting it his damn self and still did not want to actually look it in the face and try to come up with a plan to make sure 200,000 American Americans plus did not die from this virus. He did all of that and y'all still voted for him. Y'all voted for him. So much, in fact, that it took us three days and three nights to find out who was going to be the president-elect. Granted, when those mail-in ballots started tipping on in, it was clear. But before that, the race was way too close. I just don't understand where are these people? Where are these people that, you know what, I, I know where they're at. They're your friends. Mm -hmm. They are your friends. They're your Facebook followers. They are your coworkers who pour their fucking community coffee every day and say, huh? Hey, how was your weekend? I know they fucking quiet today. I know it. I know it. I know they quiet today because they have to digest everything that went on. They are just not happy about seeing a black lady that close to the presidency. They're not happy about it. Joe Biden is president elect and I am not necessarily like thrilled. I think a couple of different things can be true. I think it is okay as a black man or a black person to have layered feelings toward this whole entire thing. One of those feelings is absolute rage in the fact that we got to a position to where we are in the world where everything is pretty much on fucking eggshells because we have not had true genuine leadership for the past four years. But I also think it is a time in a in a weird way to be happy about where the country's going. I mean, it's definitely not going to be America's not going to write the ship another four years, but it's okay to be proud of uh, Kamala Harris making history and also be a little skeptical of where we are going as a country, because 
honestly, I think black people showed up to vote this time around and showed up strongly to vote just because it was clear as day that it was time to. Do I think that everybody voted for Joe Biden just because he was, you know, he motivated them and they thought he was going to be the best president since freaking sliced bread? No. So I think for me personally, I know I didn't vote for him for that. I just knew that he was the lesser of two complete evils, you know, like, so I am hesitant, but also happy. So two H words, hesitant and happy. I don't know how else to say it, but you know what I'm happy about? You know what I'm fucking ecstatic about? Donald Trump about to lose that fucking job in office. He about to lose that job. <laughs> that I'm happy about. And I know he pissed somewhere. I know he is sitting in a room in the White House fucking mad. Because the fucking racist didn't vote for him enough. The mail-in ballots got his ass together. And I'm happy about it. I'm happy about it. The past four years have fucking sucked. And I will rejoice when I see that man leave office. Leave office. Part of me feels like he gonna try to pull some fucking stunts. And shows in his next like month or so of remaining presidency. So I am watching out for some foolishness. But I'm happy. That man lost his job. The fact that he thought he was going to get two terms. A fucking fool. A literal fool. But y'all voted for him though. Not y'all. Hopefully none of my listeners voted for him. But when I say y'all, I'm talking to the collective white people that I'm talking to the Karens, the Steves, the Bobs. No offense if you're black and that's your name. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that in a way. <laughs> but people really voted for him. And I just really have to. I, voting for him in 2016 was one thing. It was it was one thing. It was a terrible thing, but it was one thing. Voting for him again in 2020 amidst the global pandemic that he is at the root cause of. Not, not not necessarily the root cause of, but he has absolutely not made the situation better for anybody. Yeah. Y'all voted for him again. And I, you know, that, it's really sad. If you voted for him, you should really take a look inside. That's all. And that's all I wanted to say. Fuck Donald Trump. I hope he, I hope he lives a miserable life now after this. That's all. That's all. <laughs> nothing more nothing less he can be i i you know i probably shouldn't say that i i wish him nothing but if i did wish him something it would be to be miserable because he made everybody else's life miserable so he can be miserable too fuck donald trump that's it i'm gonna let y'all be i'm about to come back and wrap up the show all right guys that is it for this week's episode i really hope you enjoyed it if you did and you are listening on apple podcasts or itunes make sure you go ahead and rate and review it i would really appreciate that and also make sure if you're listening to it on other platforms that you are following or downloading however that works wherever you listen to your favorite podcast so that you don't miss an episode when it drops also shameless plug for some things i have going on um, you can follow me on my personal Instagram, which is also in the bio of the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. I have a couple things that I'm kind of excited to drop. I won't give too much away, but let's just say I will be looking very comfortable on your timeline soon. <laughs> Take that how you will. Take it and run with it if you want to. <laughs> but all right, guys, thank you for rocking with me in this week's episode. I will catch you in the next one and be safe. And see you next time. <laughs> Later.